0: From the Heidelberg Catechism, let's read together, Lord's Day Seventeen. How does Christ's resurrection benefit us? First, by His resurrection, He has overcome death, so He can make us share in the righteousness which He had obtained for us. By his death. Second, by his power, we too are raised up to a new life. Third, Christ's resurrection is to us a sure pledge of our glorious resurrection. beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you afraid to die? Do you fear death? Often when we're young and healthy, we do not take the time to really consider these questions. We often consider ourselves to be invincible. While we know that all people die at some time or another, we somehow think death will pass us by. Yet from time to time, we're all confronted with death. People around us get sick or involved in serious accidents. At times, friends and loved ones pass away. Confrontations with death make us aware of our own mortality. Come to realize that we, or one of our loved ones, could be facing death tomorrow, or next month, or next year. How does that make you feel, beloved? Are you scared to die? In some ways, it's normal for us to hate death, to want to avoid having anything to do with it. For contrary to what many people in this world think, death is not natural. We were not created to die. Our God is a God of life. He created us to live in his wonderful creation. He made us so that we would praise and glorify him. And as Psalm 115 says, The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. Death entered into this world through sin. It's a consequence of the fall into sin. That's why we say that death is not natural. That death is our enemy. Lord's Day 17 speaks about Christ's resurrection. You might wonder what that has to do with death. A lot. For by rising from the dead, Christ has overcome death. His resurrection is proof that he's won the victory over death. It shows us he's acquired power over it. And that's for our benefit. For by conquering death, Christ could make us share in the righteousness He's obtained for us by his death. By his resurrection, Christ received the authority to send the Holy Spirit to dwell in the hearts of his children, to renew them. His resurrection is also a guarantee that Christ, as the first fruits, will raise us as his members up to himself into everlasting joy and glory. Christ's resurrection is of such great benefit to us that it helps helps free us from all fears of death. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. By his resurrection, Christ has completely conquered death for us. He's conquered eternal death, spiritual death, and physical death. We go back to the first chapters of Genesis. We see that God created us for life. When God looked at everything he had made, he said, it was very good. And for Adam and Eve, life in the Garden of Eden was good. They lived in perfect communion with God. They lived in perfect harmony with each other. They were the crown of God's creation. They had dominion over the world and all that was in it. They could live life fully and completely. They walked and talked with God. They were able to praise and glorify Him in all their words and deeds. Yet then death entered into this world. It came into the world through sin. Adam and Eve were banished from the garden. Their perfect communion with God was broken. Their perfect harmony together was destroyed. Adam was sent out to work in the sweat of his brow. Eve was told that she would have pain in childbirth. God's curse fell upon mankind. The consequence of man's sin is that we deserve to die. Not just physically, but eternally. The consequence of our sin is that we deserve to be cut off from God, to be forsaken by him to be handed over to Satan forevermore. That's what eternal death is all about. Now, beloved, imagine that this was the situation that we were in. Imagine that the future we faced was a short span of some 70 or 80 years here on earth, and then eternity in hell. If that was your future, wouldn't you be scared of death? I can tell you I certainly would be. And for many in this world, that is their future. Can you understand why they fear death? Can you understand why this world puts so much focus on eating healthily, on exercising properly, on developing new and better medications to prolong life? If this life is all you've got, you really need to make the most of it. For many people think that when death comes, they will be no more. We know that there is life after death. We know this because God's word tells us that it's so. Hebrews 9.27 speaks about how man is destined to die once. And after that, to face death. Judgment. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. The Bible speaks about heaven and hell, about sharing in Christ's joy and glory, or being cut off from him and from his blessings forevermore. In his word, God promised to provide a Savior who would save us from death. In Lord's Days 14 to 16, we've seen how God sent his Son into this world and that Jesus came to suffer and die for our sins. By his death, Christ has delivered us from God's wrath, from his judgment, from his curse. We have been assured and comforted, That Christ has delivered us from the anguish and the torment of hell. But our comfort and our assurance all rest on one thing they depend on the fact that we have a risen Savior. Often in our doctrine, we put a heavy emphasis on the fact that Christ died for our sins. We say that this is the only ground for our salvation. That's true. A beloved Christ's death is meaningless without his resurrection. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, what assurance do we have of our salvation? On what basis can we pray to God if our intercessor still lay in the grave? Who would be ruling over us as our eternal king? If Jesus were still dead... You see, beloved, the fact of Christ's resurrection is of utmost importance. That's why the Bible emphasizes that Christ's resurrection truly took place. In his Pentecost sermon, Peter stresses that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He tells the people people of Israel that Jesus of Nazareth, whom they had crucified and put to death, God raised up from the dead. And then Peter provides two witnesses to testify about the factuality of Christ's resurrection. He quotes from the Old Testament scriptures to show that Christ's resurrection was foretold. And then he points to all those to whom Christ appeared after rising from the dead. Peter quotes from Psalm 16. There David said to God, For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, the place of the dead, Or let your Holy One see corruption. Peter explains that since David is buried and his tomb is present in their midst, these words cannot apply to David himself. Instead, he explains that David is speaking prophetically about the resurrection of Christ. He says that Jesus' soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption Thus, from the scriptures, Peter proves that Christ's resurrection was foretold. As a second witness to prove that Christ has truly risen from the dead, Peter points to the eyewitnesses who have seen the risen Christ. In verse 32, he says, This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. The we Peter's referring to includes Mary and the other women, The two walkers on the road to Emmaus, the 11 apostles, and some 500 of the brothers to whom Jesus appeared at one time. Through the testimony of the scriptures and of these many eyewitnesses, Peter verifies Jesus Christ has truly risen from the dead. It's important to know that Christ has risen. For it's through his resurrection that Christ has overcome death. Peter speaks about this in his Pentecost sermon. In Acts 2.24 he says that God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Jesus had spoken about that earlier in his earthly ministry. He revealed himself as the Good Shepherd, his life for his sheep. Jesus said he had the authority to lay down his life and that he had the authority to take it up again. Death could not continue to hold Jesus in its grip because Jesus is the Lord of life. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus is not just Lord of his own life. He's Lord and King of all of life. As long as Christ lay in the grave, his death was of no benefit to us. You certainly cannot claim Jesus as your Savior and Lord if he lies defeated in some tomb somewhere. Because if Jesus is still lying in a tomb, he doesn't have the ability to help us. Dead people cannot help you. Yet Jesus is risen from the dead. He's alive, and we, beloved, share in the blessings of that. Our catechism outlines the benefits of Christ's resurrection. It says, by his resurrection, he has overcome death. So he can make us share in the righteousness which is obtained for us by his death. By submitting himself to death, Christ made payment for God's wrath against our sins. In doing so, we address the reason why death came into the world in the first place. Because Christ has made payment in full. We share in his righteousness. Do you know what that means? As a result of Christ's payment for our sins, God now looks at us as if we never had nor committed any sin. In God's eyes, we are not guilty. Christ has restored us to communion with His Father in heaven. Through His blood, God has adopted us as His children and heirs. We've been incorporated into God's family. We belong. God doesn't look at us as losers, as failures. He doesn't reject us because of our many sins and shortcomings. He welcomes us and receives us because Jesus has covered all our sins with his blood. And so we see that by his resurrection, Christ has conquered eternal death. He's done what's necessary to redeem us from God's curse. While because of our sins, we deserve to suffer God's wrath in hell forevermore, Jesus has delivered us from that. If we believe that Christ has died for our sins, that he is our risen Lord, we need not be afraid of death. Appearing before the judgment seat of God need not concern us. In Christ, we made right with God. No longer do we have the curse of eternal death hanging over our heads. Instead, we have the promise of eternal life. This brings us to our second point, and we'll see how Christ has conquered spiritual death. The fall into sin not only affected man's legal position before God, it also affected man's condition. The fall into sin not only made us guilty before God, it also resulted in our total depravity. Not only were we reliable to suffer eternal death, all of mankind also became subject to spiritual death. Spiritual death means that the close communion man enjoyed with God was broken. It means that we were cut off from fellowship with God. With a fall into sin, it's only natural that this occurred. For in the fall, man became totally depraved. He became a corrupt being, totally inclined to all evil, incapable of doing any good. Man's mind was polluted and darkened so that his thoughts were evil. Man's heart was made cold and hard so that all his desires were directed towards his own self-gratification. Man's will was Perverted. So his inclination was to do what's wrong. You can understand it was impossible for us sinners to continue to enjoy communion with our holy God. Now, beloved, imagine that this was our situation. Imagine that in our lives we were completely cut off from God. Imagine that we were lost in our sins, that we didn't know God. In such a situation, would there be any purpose to our lives? Any sense of going about our daily tasks? Life would be pretty much meaningless and empty. You'd live for yourself to get as much as possible out of it. Our philosophy would be, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. If Christ had not risen from the dead, that would be our situation. Yet Christ has risen from the dead. In his resurrection, he has conquered our spiritual death. Our catechism says, by his power, we too are raised up to a new life. Sometimes people misunderstand this to refer to what Christ will do on the final day. But that's not what the catechism is talking about here. The new life our catechism refers to is the opposite of the old life we lived under sin. The Bible sometimes refers to our old sinful nature and to our renewed nature. Anyone born into this world shares in the old nature. We're conceived and born in sin. By nature, we live a life of enmity toward God. We live life our way. We seek whatever satisfaction or pleasure we can get out of life. While in this state, we disregard God And we're deaf to his word. Yet in his grace, God works a new nature in all those who are his children. Christ does this by breathing new life into us. By the powerful working of his spirit and word, he transforms us. Christ raises us up in a new life in which we seek the Lord and obey His word. These things come to us through Christ's resurrection from the dead. When Christ rose from the dead, the Father gave him authority over all things. Christ used the power he received to fulfill the promise he made to his disciples. Before he left them, he promised he would not leave them orphans. He told them he would give them another helper, the Spirit of truth, who would abide. With them forever. And Christ kept his promise. He sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in the hearts of his followers. On the day of Pentecost, just ten days after Christ's ascension into heaven, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. As King of Kings, Christ rules over us through his Spirit and Word. Through the working of the Holy Spirit, the old sinful nature which we all inherited at birth is crucified more and more. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're restored more and more to the image of Christ. Paul testifies to this gracious work of Christ in Ephesians 2. He writes "But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us Alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Thus, we see that by His resurrection, Christ has completely conquered spiritual death. See, beloved, our minds are no longer darkened, our hearts are no longer hardened, our desires are no longer perverted. Instead, we see through how through His Spirit, Christ renewed us. It's now possible for us to know God, to love God, to live our lives to the praise and glory of His name. The point, beloved, is this. While formerly we were cut off from any contact with God, now we've been restored to communion with Him. Our risen Lord sanctifies us that more and more we may live our lives in fellowship with Him. This brings us to our final point, and we'll see how Christ has also conquered physical death. Although Christ has made us righteous before God and restored us to fellowship with God, the effects of the fall into sin have not yet completely been overcome in this life. The consequences of the fall into sin still affect our bodies. Even though we're being renewed after the image of Christ, there's still a deterioration of our physical bodies. We're affected by sickness, and disease, and pain, and ultimately death. The life We now experience will end in the same way for each one of us. Unless Christ soon returns, we will all undergo physical death. Is that frightening you, beloved? Are you worried about your health or about the health of one of your loved ones? Are you afraid of being carried in a box to your grave? or of carrying a loved one there. Many times we look toward death with trepidation and fear. And it's not strange for us to have an aversion towards death. Death is indeed the last enemy. When we die, we need to leave this earth and all our loved ones behind. And when loved ones die, they leave behind an empty place. Yet those who have been redeemed by Christ's blood and renewed by his spirit need not fear death. For through his resurrection, Christ has overcome death. Death could not hold Christ in its grip. On the third day, Christ rose up from the grave It as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Paul explains this by pointing out that just as death came into the world by Adam, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Our catechism says, Christ's resurrection is to us a sure pledge, of our glorious resurrection. Because Christ as a representative died and was raised, so shall we. Because Christ was glorified, we will be too. And so we see, beloved, that we have a bright future ahead of us. It's true that at death, we'll have to leave our bodies behind. While our soul goes up to be with God in heaven... Our body is buried in the ground. Yet the grave is not our eternal resting place. We bury our loved ones in hope of the resurrection of the dead. They're planted in the ground just as a farmer plants seeds in his field. They're planted so that one day they may rise again. On the day of Christ's return, our bodies will be raised up. They will be made like Christ's glorious body. At that point in time, we'll receive bodies that cannot sin or die again. All the remaining effects of sin will be removed. Death itself shall be no more. Christ will make All things new. Our risen Lord will glorify us so that we can live with him forever on new heavens and a new earth. Beloved, we've seen why it is that we no longer need to live in fear of death. It's because through his resurrection, Christ has completely conquered death for us. Through the sacrifice of his body and blood, Christ has redeemed us and thereby freed us from suffering eternal condemnation. By the power of his Holy Spirit, he is busy renewing us and thereby grants us new life in him. Through his resurrection from the dead, we have a guarantee that Christ will raise us up on the final day. Thus, through the power of Christ's resurrection, we can sing a song of praise together with the Apostle Paul. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory? Thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.